Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Hey folks, CJ Grimm here from Poking Dead Things. It's a hard job doing what we do, and it can get kind of gross. We know that you work hard too, so I'm here to tell you that at the end of a hard day, nothing beats a hot bath and a cold beer. So treat yourself right, head to Twisted Willow Soap Company, and indulge in a bath bomb with your favorite six-pack. Remember, the only girly thing about a bath bomb are the sounds you're going to make in excitement. Twisted Willow Soap Company. Body. Mind. Soul. I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. Welcome to Dear Three Pack, the 83rd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century theoretical physicist Richard Feynman. You may call me Ode. I'm Carr, and I am Ode's father. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother, and holy shit, we're back on! We're back! We're returning! We're returning! It's amazing! It's been a, it's been a bit. It's been a bit for me. It's been almost a month, really. It's been three weeks for you. It, it's been exactly three weeks. That's almost a month. <laughs> Do round Minus a week. <laughs> sure. That's almost a month. That's what the almost is for. Technically speaking, alright, so technically speaking, we did that's we, true. We were live at convocation. That's right. right. We, we just, just couldn't record it. We, we just, just couldn't, couldn't record. record. We had the most ridiculous technical difficulties of all time. Yep. I still haven't figured out what exactly was wrong with it. It took us like an hour to even get live on yep. the Discord. And, and then we that were, lasted for maybe 45 minutes. Yeah, and yeah. we were not able to get it to record at all. So some people who <laughs> were present... <laughs> For our live, unrecorded episode during convocation, um, unfortunately, most of you will never get to hear that. No, nope. and right. it was a lot of fun because uh, everybody was pretty well hammered. Yeah, because Car brought mead. <laughs> yep, it was mead three pack. Yep, and we had a good time. It was we did. being hosted by the Pin yep. Pagans and in Need and Wolf Run Wildlife, Wildlife and Sanctuary. Spiritual Sanctuary. Yep, yep. yep. and they're sweet. Yep. yep, so it was fun. We had a good time. First of all, housekeeping. Let's do all that stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. I have to read a lot of people. Yes, it is the first recording of the month, so time to listen to a whole bunch of names. Here are a whole bunch of names pronounced completely wrong. (laughs) That's right. So we have 22 kittens. Wow. 22? Yes. That's amazing. Thank you, kittens. We love you. We have our cats are Amber Deathesis, Amy Scholes, Beehive Coven, Cheryl McGuire, Christopher Dalby, Christy Claxton, Cindy Barrick, M. Talasavari, Gary Bearstorm, Jasmine Ray Bell, Coney Briggs, Megan, Megan Suckalow, Michelle Cady, Rebecca Hillman, Socora, Tanya Allen, Vivia Armstrong, and Zacchaeus. Thank you, cats. Hunters. All right. The many, many hunters. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Take your time. Alec, Alyssa Addy, Blondie, Briar Aldrich, Charles Howison, Delilah Darge, Darby Lockridge, Elfwart, Emily Bailey, Erica Mead, Felicia Welton, Finn Odinson, Gemma Atkinson, Joffrey Beauregard, Glow Softly, Henry Wodehouse, Ivy Davis, James Two Snakes, Yanni, Jax, JC Helmer, Jen, Jessica Jones, Juniper Shadowcat, Kimberly Lockerbie, Kitty Chat 47, Laudine, Lunara Oakleaf, Mackenzie Boyer, Meredith Kenton, Misha Magdalene, Nadia Ratchford, Nicodemus Tibbetts, 
Alan Crow, Owl's Perch, Pablo B. Fordor, Positive Patience, Ray Lothrop, Rana, Sarah Parkinson, Sarah LePage, Sarenth Odinson, Scubus, Selkie, Shannon Bednar, Stephanie Edwards, Stevie Thompson, Squeaky, Tamara Poifair, The Pirate Cove, The Sugar Maple Seder, Usha Ursa, Victoria Selznes, Yukari Lunara, and Zachary Cornwall. Whoa, wow! Shit. How many hunters is that? Uh, a lot! A lot! 55 or 56? Holy wow, shit. hunters, you are amazing and we love you. Thank you. There's a billion of you. There's so many! <laughs> <laughs> Our leopards are Akaneko, Chris Colibri, Foxchild. Thank you, leopards, we love you! Our tigers are our Darren Summit, Crystal of Apothecary Tees, Elaine Glansberg, Elora Driver, Misha Lutz, Nix Fallingleaf, Silken Fern, and Tree Wizard Creations. Thank you to, Thank our, you to our tigers. tigers. Our panthers are QQN. Our Jaguars. Jaguars. Our Amanda Hicks, Justin Stanage, Kelly Burt, Kirsten Ray, Bill L., and Yellow Kiwi. Thank you, Jaguars. Mm-hmm. And our lion is Twisted Willow Soap Company. And, of course, we love our lion. Right. And a special thanks to Kirsten Zacharias, who donated a mic to us way back yes, when. way back way in the day. Way back in the day. Yep. Amazing. So I have one other thing that I want to discuss. Okay. Okay. We are going to do a contest. If you are a musician... Oh, yes. I forgot about and this. And you I are interested, we would like a new theme song. Yeah, that's right. So what we've been using is some royalty-free music from Kevin McLeod. Yep. You hear his music all over the internet because it's royalty-free and it's really, really good. And it's good. Yep. What we've been using is good, but um, but it's very Celtic. It's right, and we know there are uh, musicians in the Pride. So, They're good musicians. Yeah. So if any of you guys are interested in that, yep, we're putting out the call because we're we're interested in getting some. Some theme music that's actually for three pack. Yep, that's and right. it doesn't have to be just music. If you want to like do the whole intro and sing it or whatever, right. feel free. That's also an option. And then we will put them up for vote by the Pride. Right on the Facebook, probably on the mm-hmm. Facebook group, and the Pride will get to vote on which is the best one. <laughs> Mother and... Multiverses, don't regret what you have summoned. <laughs> <laughs> but every one of them will be used in at least one episode. Sure. Right? <laughs> So everyone will get played at least once, but then whoever, whatever ones get, gets picked as the best one. Right. We'll, we'll get used eternally going forward or until we decide to do something different. Right. As you know, Carr, his ideas. <laughs> this again, Quinn and I didn't know anything about the details of this. He's made yeah. this up right now. <laughs> no, I did not make it up right now. <laughs> you had mentioned to us talking to the Pride about making some theme music for three pack, but you had not described a whole contest <laughs> with Terms and conditions. Nope. <laughs> to either of us. Um, so, nope. everything has terms and conditions. That is how life works. And yes, QQ, Carr is making up shit as he goes along. Since we weren't able to record our convocation episode, right? we talked about some things that we should talk about now so that y'all can hear them. So, Gwyn, tell people... Uh, summarized your experience at PantheaCon. Oh, my experience at PantheaCon was wonderful. First of all, I did get to see my son. I actually got on a bus and rode eight or nine hours from North Hollywood to come and join me at PantheaCon and was walking around with me. It is 
a much bigger event than I've been to in the past than what we have here in right. Michigan. So that was exciting. San Jose was beautiful. And um, Yeah, we had a snowstorm. I know. Yeah. We had 10 inches of snow. Well, and you were on a beach. Sunny California. It was wonderful. <laughs> but no, it was really interesting. There were a lot of really great classes. Um, I got to meet some wonderful people like Guion Raven, mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix LeFay, who is Guion's partner. I got to meet Matt Oren. Love the book Love Psychic Witch! Psychic yes. Witch. You got to meet Misha! Misha Magdalene. I got to meet Misha Magdalene and give them a hug and go to their class and it was wonderful. So it was it was a great experience. I'm really really grateful to the people who made it possible for me to go. Right? Yep. I did get to teach one class in the Witches Next Door suite. Yep. And that went very well. And it was. Weren't the, you weren't you also on a panel? Yeah. The Druidry Suite hosted a panel on degendering the gendered practice. And so I was one of the panelists. They invited my son to be on the panel as well because he is trans. And so it was really, it was very intimate and very interesting questions, great discussion. So I was very honored to be a part of that. And I was thrilled that my son was asked to be a part of that. We just had, it was a really great time. But it was also interesting to find out the differences between a West Coast conference and a Midwest, Midwest conference. There is, there are some different feelings because, and some different vibes going on, mm-hmm. uh, just because these are different pagan communities, even though we're all one big community. Well, there was also, this was the last Pantheacon, so that yes, probably brought a different energy to the situation. I think it did. I think there were a lot of people who, um, were there with a bittersweet kind mm-hmm. of feeling because they had, had been going to Pantheacon for years, and now it's over. And something new is already set to take its place next year. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm very glad to have been able to go. I want to thank Cindy Brannon of Keeping Her Keys, who invited me to stay in the Keeping Her Keys house. Yep. Right. And I'm just glad I got to go. Yep. Awesome. And then right after Gwen got back, we went to convocation. Literally right after I got back. It was I'm, the next day. Maybe 10 hours after I got home, we yeah. were on our way to, <laughs> to convocation. convocation. Yep. <laughs> uh, and this was a pretty good combo, I think. Yeah, it was. I, I had a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so did I. I actually got to attend a class. I don't, I don't know that I attended any classes this year. The caveat was I didn't stay for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So. That's true. <laughs> I did go to some classes. Um, I went to Jack Mercer's mm-hmm. class on throwing, on throwing bones. bones. I went to a couple of curse classes. Yep. Um, it was it was very good. I I felt like the the course content was very interesting this year. And then obviously yeah, there were, we got there I was classes re- that interested me, but ridiculously busy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we taught what was it? Three we classes. We taught three classes. We, we moderated. A we panel. moderated. I was a on panel. that panel that you right, yep. moderated. Yeah. Green right? was on the panel. Ode and I moderated. Well, Ode moderated. I wandered around. You collected questions. I collected questions. And then I was on a panel. Yeah, you were on a panel with Grandfather Fire. Yep, mm-hmm. with Around Grandfather Fire. And then I did the... Oh, you did the emceeing for the raffle. Emceeing right. for the raffle, yeah, right. Yeah, So So it was a very busy weekend for all three of us. Yep. But it was great. I thought it was a great experience. Yeah, that Saturday I actually had three things back to back to back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the time Saturday. it was over, man, I couldn't hardly talk. And then we went to the masquerade ball. Yes, right, we went yeah. to the masquerade ball. That was fun. That was, yep. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so, if you haven't been on the three-pack group and seen the picture of us. Yeah, we got a photo taken. Uh, at the Masquerade Ball. Probably A, the only time you'll see me in a suit is something <laughs> like that. It may be the only time 
that ode is an address. I really only wear dresses for fancy occasions, and only if it's a fancy dress. That's right. I am That's not going to wear a casual dress. Yeah. We're getting some compliments saying we look very fancy. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> yeah, that beautiful dress was a 1999 yes, that was a good Goodwill Fest special. Yeah. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> It was. So. Yep. Which is exactly the same way I got my prom dress. Yep. And then we the only all, way I brought the bad dresses. And then the very next day, we pretty much all were down with some kind of sickness, yep. whether it was a cold or flu or whatever, and then we moved. So we're saying uh, we should get up and get down with the sickness? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. Just check it. Yeah. <laughs> so we debuted a couple of classes. We did. We yeah. taught before. Yep. So we did speaking with symbols, which we've taught before. Yep. And that's a good class that we enjoy. We had 90 minutes this time, so that was nice. Yes. Yep. But we also taught uh, spoons class, which was a little chaotic, and we've learned some important lessons <laughs> about how to structure that in the future. And we taught a liminal class, so also went very well. Yeah. 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 yeah I was super. Happy with how liminal. Yeah, liminal. I think one spoons really was a little chaotic, chaotic for me. Yeah, we've it's, we're we've learned some lessons. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna break that class down into smaller groups. I think we. I'm always surprised when we have like more than ten people in a yep. class, and so I don't know how to handle. Like I'm not prepared for large classes. And we probably had thirty in spoons. Yeah, yeah. thirty. We probably had about thirty in every class yeah. that we taught. Yep. But what we attempted to do in the spoons class was a physical exercise using actual spoons to demonstrate what we were talking right. about. And it got a little out of hand, a little crazy. Yeah. So we're thinking of restructuring it so we can still do that exercise, but mm-hmm. in smaller groups. Smaller groups, yeah. We'll so, split it and we'll probably split the class into at least three groups and each of us will head up one group. So I think like we're not gonna go into depth on what we did at convocation because it was now a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, I mean, yep. we had a good time. It was fun. I'm, it's always fun for us when we're there. Yeah, I like convocation a lot. It's mm-hmm. more. We've talked about this before. It's not as much of like a family gathering vibe mm-hmm. as MPF is, but it's it's an it's a good time. Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. So of course, as we always recommend, whenever we come back from a conference right. or con- you know a convention of some sort. Go to one. Go to one. Get on Google. Find out what conventions or Pagan Pride Days or whatever are going on in your area. Mm -hmm. A meetup group, something, and find a way to take part because it's really worth it, even if you only go for one day. Yeah. And, well, and, like, we only go to these sort of major events. Like, we don't have regular circles or anything to meet with. So it's nice for us to be able to see the people we don't get to see all the time and sort of reconnect with them. And that's it's just nice to know that your community exists, like, in real space. Hello, beautiful creatures. This is Misha Magdalene, author of Outside the Charmed Circle, and you are listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Are we on to questions then? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, that is what the That's point what of, the, one is for. of the podcast is So uh, if you guys have questions in the Discord, you can type them Type them up in yep. the Patreon questions channel, mm-hmm. and then uh, several people uh, sent us in some questions. Yep. So we're going to be answering yeah. those. But first... But first, what if the greatest tabletop hero you ever play turns out to be yourself? In Vector... Attack of the Metapirates. Move beyond imagination as Captain Vector and his Metapirates do battle from game world to world, following players from setting to setting in an attempt to enter the real world. Will you help Captain Vector in his Pinocchio-like quest to enter the real world, or stop him from becoming a living nightmare? Only you can decide. You can find out more about this game on Facebook, or contact Mother Multiverse Mm -hmm. on Facebook in the Discord, 
Wherever you can find Mother Multiverse, you can find out about Captain Vector and the attack of the Meta Pirates. That's right. I want Captain Vector to become a living nightmare. <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised by that at <laughs> fucking all. I want to see both. All right, so all the right. first question. Yes. You ready? Yep, yep, yep. Do you think it's possible to cast a spell entirely through visualizations? Example, I was considering trying a money candle spell. I worked out wording, tools, etc., and then pictured performing the ritual in my head. For three weeks now, I've had heavy overtime. Ho-ho. Ho-ho-ho. Oh, Gwen and I have talked about this before. Yes, we have. <laughs> and they're of disparate views. Well, <laughs> I don't know that I would say that so much. I mean, we have different positions, but not necessarily different views. Yeah. I do believe that it is possible to do a spell and have practiced and performed mm-hmm. spell work that is strictly visualization. And I, that's how you were trained. That's how I was trained years ago by my mentor. She did not believe that it was necessary to use candles or stones or herbs or things like that. She felt like the the power to cast a spell came exclusively from the spellcaster. Okay. Whereas the use of tools, ingredients, things like that, those would help you focus, but the power actually came from the spellcaster. So, yes, I do believe it is possible. I have been trained to do that, and I still occasionally do cast a spell in that manner. It does take time to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. I do think sometimes people just, as was described in this example, do it without realizing it because they've put so much focus on what right. they're trying to accomplish and then they've accomplished it without the official mm-hmm. components. I now use really more of a combination of, of the two. I do use herbs and oils and candles and stones and, and put together an actual, I craft a spell to go along with the right. energy that I am creating. And I have allies that I work with now that I didn't necessarily always make use of or request energy from in my earlier days as a witch. Right. Right. Now, I don't do magic. real magic. Yeah. But because I'm a hard animist, mm-hmm. I would have a problem doing it that way. What? Which way? Complete visualization. Pure visualization. Because I believe that the spirit of whatever you're working with... Right. Mm-hmm. helps right. that participates along. In right, participates process. in what you're yeah. doing. And I think that's why I am now in a position, because I'm... Because you've become, become more of an animist. I've become more of an animist. I've become an animist, really, and a hard polytheist, which is a, a huge position change from when we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, almost every time I do a spell, in fact, I think every time I've ever done a spell, I've involved tools and components and the spirits of those things. My magic is very, for lack of a better word, collaborative. I'm just not collaborating with people. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm collaborating with the spirits of, of the things I'm working with. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've never done a spell that was just my pure, like, iron intention. Like, mm-hmm. focus right. my mind into a diamond. And, you know, I've yeah. never done that. My magic is much more... I guess, holistic and collaborative, I guess, mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it. I think that's a good way to describe it, and I would say that that is what my magic has practice evolved has into. evolved into. Yeah. Although Tess Whitehurst, for those who are interested in energetic 
visualization mm-hmm. magic does have a book on energy magic. And I'm, I'm not saying you can't do that. Obviously you can. Mm-hmm. And lots of people have great success with that. And even when I'm, when I'm doing my magic, visualization is part of that process. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. It's an important component of establishing precisely uh, and to a, a high degree of specificity what you want to happen. Right. right. Because that's important. Right. That's an, that's an important part of, of the spellcrafting process. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only part for me. Yeah. Right. And I find it's just more natural natural for me to work with things. And I think part of that is because, and this is a, an understanding that, it, that it's taken me a long time to come to, but like heathenry really helps me with this, mm-hmm. is that my body is part of my soul. Right. Right? Like they're, they're, I'm not a soul driving a body. My body and my soul and my work mind together. are right. all one. Right. One system, yep. right? Yeah. So it makes sense for me. It feels very natural for me as an embodied being to use other embodied things. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to work with the spirits of those things the same way that I'm working with my spirit. Right. You yeah. know? Yellow Kiwi is saying they have had something similar happen where they had planned out a spell on behalf of a friend and by the time it was... I got around to actually do it, the spell had already worked. Yeah, yeah it had already yeah. worked. And, and I do find this happens a lot more with sigils when I'm working with sigils is that as I'm designing them, they activate automatically because I'm focusing on the shape of the sigil, right? The, mm-hmm. the spell of the sigil is its shape. So if you are if you can hold that shape in your mind, you're sort of automatically activating it. And uh, Mother brought mm-hmm. up the visualization magic can be difficult for people if they have uh, aphantasia. aphantasia, where there's no mind's eye, you cannot cast your visualization. And so mm-hmm. there are other ways that you can use uh, other methods to focus your energy, focus your concentration. Yeah. It can be through sound, through scent, through physical mm-hmm. sensation. There's a lot of ways to do it, and I do think that it's right. important. I think the, the term visualization yeah. narrows the scope of it to right. just visual information, but it doesn't have to be that. Right. But some people just aren't naturally imaginative, and that's right. okay. There are other solutions. There exactly. are other ways to do it. So this is from Scubus. I got my first set of runes today. Do you have any resources for learning the runes? I found on one or two websites, but I could use all the help I could get. And I would suggest mm-hmm. going over to a round grandfather fires discord yeah. mm-hmm. and just talking to Sarah Odinson. Yeah, he's he's going to be a really good resource for you. Bill did point out Diana Paxson's work, and I've recommended yep. Diana Paxson's work before. Yeah, I was going to just say the she same has some, thing. Some really good work on runes. Yep. And sunnyway.com is a, a good sort of beginner's resource for runes. Okay. Getting familiar with them, but, but I really recommend Diana Paxson's work and yeah, going to the Around Grandfather Fire Discord and, mm-hmm. and talking to Sarah there because he's, Sarah is the expert as far as I'm concerned. Right. Yeah. Yep. Which I'm yeah. sure he wouldn't agree with, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because that's Sarah's, but yes. And I would say I, I don't do a lot of work with runes, but I know that with tarot, I took each card and learned it one image at a time. And so I would imagine it's something similar you could do with runes to to learn that individual rune. Yeah. To spend time with it. Well, and especially because... And that's part of what Sarenth suggests. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And especially because, <laughs> because I learned this from Sarenth, the runes are spirits. Yeah. And, like, more so than, like than, like, a tarot deck has a spirit, right? right like, right. The, the runes themselves have bigger, deeper, older They've spirits. They've been around longer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do each of you think that deities of similar roles, Tane, the Green Man, Kernonos, Gaia, Grandmother Earth, are different entities entirely, or facets of the same god revealed through different cultural lenses? 
So I believe they're different individual entities. In uh, agreed. Same. <laughs> yep. same. I, I think in the past I would have said it was one God with different facets. Mm-hmm. When I was a, coming from a soft polytheist yeah. yep. uh, or henotheist uh, viewpoint. But as a polytheist, a hard polytheist, yeah. I do believe they are all individual gods who work in a similar energy or have a similar realm of uh, interests and, interest yeah. and yeah. Authority, right? right. Different, a similar realm of authority, right? So, for instance, Hakati, who I work with mm-hmm. and honor, one of the things she is a goddess of is the underworld, and keys are one of her symbols because she holds the keys to between realms. She's right. a liminal goddess. Mm-hmm. There are other deities that also are liminal deities who have entrance, who open portals. And that's true even inside her own pantheon. Hermes exactly. Is Hermes right. is, yeah. is another one. That's what I'm saying is I think they are individual gods who have mm-hmm. similar functions or similar areas of authority. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. How do each of you define karma or your version of it? For me, I don't believe in karma. Or any version of it. Right. I'd probably have to say something similar. I may fall more in line with perhaps the idea of reciprocity. If you put something, what you sow, you'll reap, uh-huh. that kind of thing, you know, from the Christian background. Right. Uh, but I don't really believe in, in karma because that comes from a very different belief structure that I'm just not familiar with. Right. And I would say, like, I don't even believe the sow, reap thing mm-hmm. because... I mean, going back to our Christian days, we sowed a shit ton and didn't reap fuck all. That's so, true. So, you know, so I don't, I don't, I, I don't believe in any of that. So I don't like to use the term karma because it has a specific cultural meaning yeah. that I don't understand. Exactly. And all I know about it is that the Western understanding of it is wrong and bad. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much where I'm, um, where I'm coming from. I don't think karma means what you think it means. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. There is a concept in heathenry called luck. We've talked about this before. Yep. You can increase your luck by behaving rightly, by, by behaving honorably in ways that support your community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that improves your luck and it improves the luck of your community. But it's not like, it's not like there's a cosmic moral force deciding whether you've done th- enough good stuff and giving you more luck. It's just like a natural function of right behavior results in improved circumstances, sure. right? Yep. And wrong behavior results in reduced circumstances. So it's not like, I don't believe that they're, that the universe is balancing itself or anything. I believe that the weird is set and we're manipulating it to greater and lesser extents according to our abilities and we're behaving rightly or wrongly and gaining or losing luck uh, in accordance with with those philosophies but those like community luck like if i improve my luck and the luck of my community that might decrease the luck of someone else right right right. what's right for me and my community isn't right cosmically it's right for me and my community Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't believe in like a cosmic justice scale. I don't think. Yep. Auntie M says I believe you're here to learn what you didn't learn the last go round. Rana says I think we should behave rightly regardless of reward. Vitterson says negative energy versus positive energy can sway luck. I do like what Scubus also has to say. They mm-hmm. said, I think the way we behave, how we treat people, spirits, entities, affects how they treat us. We may not be consciously aware of it, but if you're shitty to people, they'll probably be shitty, gonna be shitty bad. Yeah, yep. and that's something where, like, if you have a bad relationship with one spirit, like, they mm-hmm. talk to each other, mm-hmm. you guys. <laughs> if that's you right. fuck over one spirit, uh, the rest of the spirits that know that spirit are gonna blacklist you, like. That's right. right. 
That's right. So I. So yeah, there are consequences to things, but they're like natural consequences. Right. I think that's what I was trying to express. Yeah. With the the there's, yeah. And I think there's a grain of truth in that, but not what we think it is. You right. know, it's like it's like karma. I don't think I think uh, Rana said this. Karma is not what we think it is. Right. Because we don't understand it. It's from a different culture. It's from a different yeah. belief yeah. set, and it's not really what we as Westerners believe have decided. it right. have decided yep. what yep. it is. So the next three questions mm-hmm. are individual questions. Okay. Okay. So Gwen. Can you elaborate more on what and how to start and continue shadow work? Well, shadow work, obviously, is dealing with that inner darkness that you have within yourself. Those things that we hide from ourselves, things that have affected us really from childhood, lies that have been told to us that we have internalized, those types of things. I do believe that it is not necessarily a bad thing. I think some people mistake the shadow for a bad thing. A lot of creativity and, and beauty can come from the shadow. Well, and, and the shadow is just anything that you suppress. Yes. So you could suppress good things about yourself because they were negatively received, received mm-hmm. in, in your home when you were growing up, right? Like exactly. If your parents didn't encourage curiosity you've probably suppressed your curiosity. That's part of your shadow. Exactly. So for me, one of the ways that I would suggest beginning shadow work, first of all, you have to be in a good place to deal with the shadow because mm-hmm. when you start delving into those hidden places within yourself, you're going to dig up other things. Yeah. Um, so you definitely want to make sure you're in a good, healthy, emotional space. Um, if you if you are experiencing some kind of depression or blue mood or seasonal affective disorder, that's not the right time to do shadow work. I think you can start, honestly, by a basic journal and some mm-hmm. free association. Just ask yourself a question and go from there. Ode has a lot of information about shadow work. And we also did a, we did a an episode, episode about it. Yeah. on shadow work. I forget which episode number it is, but my best so, way to, to initiate would be free associations so or journaling. Here's my question. Does Hakati do, like, do you involve Hakati with your shadow work? Yes, you can involve uh, Hakati with shadow work. She's, uh, you know, because she is an underworld goddess, so she is a liminal goddess. She's She has a cauldron in her cave, if you will, as so many deities do, that you can go to to be reborn after you have dealt with that darkness. Mm. And so yeah, she's a she's a wonderful deity to work with for those those darker moments and those those parts of yourself that need healing and wholeness so that you can be reborn if you will. Bill said uh shadow work is a good thing because it helps us grow as an individual. Yes. You know what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grow. Grow. Yeah. Gotcha, okay. <laughs> I thought maybe we're stop, like stop giving people in the in the Discord <laughs> shit for spelling <laughs> errors. Yeah, you've never had a typo. <laughs> All right, so next question, Ode. Okay. What is your opinion on crystal pipes used for either tobacco or marijuana? Is it disrespectful to the spirits of the crystal? So I had never heard of this before. <laughs> That's because I kept you away from every drug possible yeah. because of my past. Yeah. I don't have a lot of experience with drugs. Uh, I smoked cloves in high school because my girlfriend did, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe you can call cloves drugs, but okay. Um, and I had a friend who did get high pretty regularly, but we had an arrangement where he would not get high if I was around because I didn't want 
to be involved with that. So, so I didn't like even get secondhand right, yeah. <laughs> exposure to drugs. Really, I don't think it would be any different than shaping a crystal into any other tool, like a wand or a pendulum. Or, gotcha. You know, would you want to make sure that the crystal is okay with that use? Yeah, if possible. Right. Most people making tools aren't doing that. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. most pendulums were not asked if they wanted to be pendulums before they were cut. Right. Most most gems are not asked if they want to be rings before they're Fashioned placed. Into. Yeah. That's just like that's just part of the world we live in. But mm-hmm. at least as a hard animist, right, and pagan, right, <laughs> that was something you would probably right. Yeah, do. that would that would be my ideal. Right. Yeah, it would be like check. Ask. Right. Just ask, as I'm constantly saying. Just yeah. ask the spirit if it's okay with that. Since the crystal has already been formed into a pipe and you don't have, you can't control that situation, yep. if you're looking to get one, I would ask the stone if it's willing to work with you in this capacity, right? right? Like, if it's cool with this and if it wants to be yours and stuff like that. Right. But especially, like, I know there are people who smoke religiously, right? So, right. like, if you're, if you have a crystal pipe that you want to smoke tobacco or marijuana or whatever religiously mm-hmm. or for magic, like, that's a natural ritual tool use uh, as far as right. I can tell. So that seems perfectly normal and not no more disrespectful than than turning stone into any other kind of tool. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Rana, that should answer your question as well without bringing up the question. Hey, sex magic is a cool thing, That is, man. That is also a thing, yeah. Sex magic uh, is but a with, thing. Okay, I am actually going to say, though, some crystals leech... So you shouldn't put them in your mouth or any other orifices. That's right. <laughs> so All right. be careful. <laughs> so, Carr, that's me. That's you. Yep. In your brutally honest opinion, what is the one thing Western society needs to do in order to propel us forward as better beings? Wow. That's a big one. That's a yeah. big one. That's a big one, Carr. That's um, a big one. Honestly, quit fucking around and just love everybody mm-hmm. where they're at. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that. that's the big thing. Bill says, damn, that will take all night to answer. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah stop being assholes, stop being Finn. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, and honestly, that's, so we have. <laughs> don't be a dick. Don't be right. a dick is, is sort of our rule for the community, for the pride. And originally, I think that was the only rule I had posted. Right. Eventually, I had to come up with, like, a more specific set of rules. Right. But, but don't be a dick is just sort of our philosophy in general. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the whole thing is, like, just. Don't be a dick, love everybody where they're at, and life should be golden. Yeah. Which doesn't mean you have to accept everything from everyone. Right. That's right. Boundaries are important. Yes. Boundaries are very important. Um, and sometimes you do need to remove people from your community yes. because they're not, they're not returning. But I think rip. you can love somebody where they're at, but not have them a part of your life. You can still love that person without having them be a physical part of your life. I guess. Uh, so I still love my father. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Because he's my father. But I don't actually want to see him right. or spend any time with him or talk to him on the phone. Or be involved with him. Or be involved with him in any way. But I still love him because he's my father. <laughs> so, you know, like, I, there's a difference between those two things. I will always really, love him because he's my really, father. That's really interesting. Because mm-hmm. I don't love your father. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. You don't have to. Yeah. No. But, like, but, it's, I, I think it's it's just for whatever reason, it's much easier for me to, like, stop caring about people when they cross certain right. boundaries mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Next questions. Laura said, so I'm very new to divination. I'm practicing semi-regularly with the OM and feel like I have a real connection there. And it's very enjoyable. However, it almost always ends up feeling like I can only do two or three pulls in a sit-down before I start to feel a 
okay, too tired to do more kind of vibe. Have you ever experienced anything like this? So, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Gwen and I sometimes do psychic events, fairs. psychic fairs and events and things mm-hmm. where we do a bunch of readings. And I inevitably have at the end of that what I call like a divination hangover where I'm just like fried afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because doing... You're expending energy. Yeah, I'm expending mm-hmm. energy uh, and I'm doing a lot of... I'm I'm doing divination for a lot of different people in a row. Right. So my advice, I guess, is if you can store energy ahead of time yep. in, in one way or another. We, I've talked about soapstone before. You can store energy in soapstone, and it'll release it slowly over time. Right. And then I have a carnelian that I borrow energy from all the time. It's very, yeah. it's very tolerant with me. Cinnamon is saying not enough spoons, and sometimes yeah. that is definitely... What's right, going sometimes on? that's a separate thing. Yeah. So I have a I I want to take this question just a step further. Okay. So you're burnt out. Right. Do you ever get to a point where your deck is burnt out and you have to switch decks? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So um, I know that like because I only really work with OM. Right. I know that at some point they're like, fuck off. Right. I'm done. Like, they're I'm they're done. done. Right. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I know you have that thing with, with pendulum. pendulum. I get yeah. the same thing from a pendulum. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can tell they start to feel, um, for lack of a better word, like flat. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the spirit is gone. It's just that it's like stopped responding. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it stopped picking up the phone. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Black Cat 88 says my deck starts throwing contradicting cards when it's done. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And so if you're doing public readings. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you then switch decks? Yeah, I bring multiple decks. Okay. Yep. All right. I don't really have that. Well, I guess I do. I do have a tarot deck that I yeah. work with. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I guess I could take that as well. You could. Yep. Um, should I ever get into doing... So it really public. does, it really does come down to energy, both of yeah. the diviner, the person, the fortune teller, the person who is right. doing the reading, but also the tool that you're using yeah. and the spirit with whom you're working. Uh, so and, there's and an energy thing going it's, on. It's... It's very um, counterproductive to keep divining when you are like so fried, you like you're right. out of energy, right? Because you're very unlikely to get accurate results that way. Mm. Sunshine just made an interesting comment and said, "My tarot cards refuse to do anything for me. Great, amazing reading, readings for everyone else. Me, ugh. Maybe I need to consider shadow work to fix it." That's possible, or so, maybe you just need to use a different deck for yourself. That could right. be. Some people don't divine for themselves at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find people who, who that's just a philosophy for them. Yep. Because it's hard to divine for yourself. It is. You have to sort of separate, because you're still, so the situation when you're doing divination for another person is that you're translating between them and the deck, right? Right. You're having a conversation mm-hmm. with the deck, not mm-hmm. with you. You're doing the same thing when you divine for yourself. You're still translating. But you have to, because you know yourself very well, it's difficult to take out your internal biases right, when you're doing yeah. that translation, right? Yep. Um, it's more difficult to do that for yourself than it is for a person you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's why why some people don't divine for themselves. But you may just have a deck that isn't right for divining for you. Mm-hmm. And so it's just refusing to participate in that. It's refusing to be complicit in giving you bad information. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you might want to look at a different solution for that. Yeah, that's that's not to say that shadow work wouldn't be helpful to you right? if that, see, if that feels like something you need to do. But I would also consider changing decks or um, 
you know, maybe switching to oracle cards because mm-hmm. sometimes oracle cards can be better for personal divination than tarot, at least in my experience. I don't I have that, but I have had that experience. I just find that there are some decks that are better at different things. Um, yeah. And in my experience, that hasn't varied so much between oracle decks and tarot decks. It's just that they have different specializations. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of people are saying, remember to ground. And that's definitely, definitely right. true. Yep. Definitely remember to ground. Anytime you're moving a lot of energy around. What is each of your favorite spiritual item or tool and why? Mm. That's a hard one. That is. Okay, I, it's an easy one for me because I only have one, right, really. Yeah. And it's my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel fucking really connected to them. But it's really the only thing I have. Like, I don't have... You do... I'm, so here's a question. You have a limb from an apple tree, I think. Yes. Yep, that, that was to given be. to me years ago. Yeah. Yeah. By the apple tree, yep. Now, yeah. That you've been planning to turn into a staff. Yep. When you presumably get around to that, <laughs> right? Um, do you think it will? Do you think that will be more important to you than the elm, or? No, I, at least I don't think so. It may be. I kind of see the staff as a help in just my personal space. Mm-hmm. I don't think it makes me feel more druid-like, or you know, but. Like, I have shitty knees, and so having a staff would be helpful, <laughs> you know? I think it makes you look more druid-like. <laughs> I think that's the beard, but... Um, none shall pass! Uh-huh, yeah. I don't think so. I think the ohms still wear, I'm gonna lie. I don't have a, a great answer for that, because I don't know. I haven't done it yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So it may be that after I build the staff, it becomes a really big deal. Finn just said, Car the Gray. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, uh, and asked what your favorite meat is. So answer that real quick. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. My favorite mead? <laughs> the new one. Oh, uh, the one that's not done yet? Yeah. Kavassier? Kavassier, yeah. All right, that one's not done yet, y'all, but eventually there will be a mead called Gwyn. I could easily say one of my divination tools, but honestly, I think for me... It's candles and oils. I I really, that is a, an elemental part of the craft that I work when I'm doing my magical workings. It's an important part of my devotional practice to use the candles and oils and things like that. I know that's kind of an odd answer, but those are the things that really help ground me in my practice, if that makes any sense, and help focus me focus my energy, focus my intention, whether it's devotion or spellcraft or whatever. Right. It Those would be two of... If all I had for practicing the craft were candles and oils, I'd be fine. I'd be set. And QQ just said candles are definitely their favorite as well. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I, I do a lot of work with stones, but... I do that work very interpersonally with them more than in a ritual context. Right. I mean, I use them when I'm doing magic and I involve them in my rituals, but that feels more to me like, like asking for help from a friend or something than like a ritual tool use. Right. The tool that I think is my favorite and that I use the most is actually my offering dish. I have several. I have some that are designated for different purposes, and then I have a general offering dish. But that's, like, I put fresh offerings in that. I put burnt offerings in that. I put water offerings in that. I, You know, so that's sort of, it's my... It's my gateway to interacting with the spirits, I think, because it's what allows me to 
exchange with them. It's almost like an altar in miniature, right? Like right. it's part of my altar, but it also functions in a way as an altar because it's the space through which I exchange with the spirits and I establish gebo with them and we make deals and bargains and it's I think it's the most direct spiritual interaction right. space for me. So I think that's my my favorite tool. Gotcha. On my altar. All right. Yellow Kiwi just asked, is it private or would you post a picture of your offering dish? Yeah, I can I can take a photo of, of my dishes, yeah. Yep. That. Yeah. Do you guys have any ritual or magic specific clothing or accessories? Uh before we do that, Mother Multiverse says it's difficult with spiritual items because it's like asking which is your best friend or favorite child. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm sitting here going, Oh my gosh, what do I you know, oh so absolutely I love agree. all my children the same. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Now to that one, do we have any specific ritual clothing? Yeah. I yeah. definitely do. I have uh jewelry specific Jewelry, necklaces, symbols that I wear. I have shit ton of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. I have veils that I wear yeah. when I'm working with Hakati. Um, I do have black, I guess you could call them hooded, a hood, yeah, hood, a hooded robe, a hooded cloak kind of thing that I right. wear for specific ritual activities. So yes, I absolutely do have specific items of clothing and jewelry that are meant for ritual yeah. and workings. I have. One or two specific pieces of ritual jewelry that have different purposes. So I don't wear them for every ritual. I wear them for specific purposes. I think that I wear things in an intentional way sometimes, not necessarily in a ritual context or like a spiritual context. But I do like there are certain pins that I wear when I'm doing certain things. And there are, if I'm trying to present a specific image or I'm trying to, or I'm trying to be a specific sort of, I'm trying to embody a specific facet of my identity more strongly, I'll dress differently. Right. So I don't necessarily always have like ritual specific clothing, but I, I am intentionally dressed, let's say. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do your makeup specifically yes. for? Yeah, I do. And sometimes I do my nail polish too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a bunch of nail polishes from Dragonsworn Cosmetics, uh, who's a friend of mine. I have certain colors that I wear for certain things. Sometimes I wear them in combination to get like multiple layers of that. Right. I don't wear makeup very often. So when I, I do wear makeup, it's always very intentional and it's, always for a purpose. Right. I don't wear ma- makeup casually or just for aesthetic reasons. I wear makeup to do things. Right. I, I, so I wouldn't say it's ritual makeup necessarily, but it's almost, every time I wear makeup, it's almost a glamour. Right. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about the new clothes you just got? Do you see those as... So, so I, I won three articles of clothing at the, um, the raffle at convocation and they're really, really good. Articles of clothing. Bill saw one of them today. Mm-hmm. They're um, excellent. Bill rigged. Rigged, yeah. <laughs> They're great sort of gender neutral clothes, which is really important for me because I don't have a lot of that stuff in my wardrobe right now. I'm wearing them casually, right? Like I'm wearing them around the house, but they do feel like the kind of things I would prefer to wear when I'm doing ritual. Right. So when I'm doing ritual, I probably will be wearing these in the future. Gotcha. I probably won't 
make them specifically for ritual use. Right. Because I just feel good wearing them. Mm-hmm. But I probably will wear them for rituals. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes sense. And I don't have anything. I, I mean, I wear a uh, Alwyn necklace that Gwen got me to replace my older Alwyn necklace that I lost. Yeah. Um, somewhere amongst many things. Many, many things, yes. Um, but, yeah, so, which is a Celtic thing. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of reminds me of connection to earth, sea, and sky, and that's basically it. So, meet our friend at the Artful Egg. Our tiger, Michelle, invites you to her shop where she showcases her painted and carved sugar skull eggshells for the world to enjoy. Each piece is handcrafted and unique with a name, a style all of its own, and a desire to find a happy home with you. Every egg comes in a special box adorned with a note about the creation. Michelle has been sculpting her design since 2015 and knows what you and your family and friends will love. She also makes natural eggs, beautiful hand-painted crockery, and jewelry to share. As well as the sugar skulls, Michelle has designed an acorn egg, which just happens to be the most popular egg she makes. Adorned with lentils and wood beads and hemp or other leather hangings, visit the Artful Egg at theartfulegg.net. And our egg is yes. displayed egg right here yes. in front of us. Yep. I love it. It's gorgeous. And very festive and pretty. Mm-hmm. So next question. What role do emotions play in your craft? Do you think anxiety or anger can be helpful or harmful when casting or performing rituals? I think it depends on the spell yeah. or ritual that you are performing. I know that with certain spells, especially if it's a, a banishing or a cursing kind of spell, any kind of hexing work, anger <laughs> is very powerful and almost necessary depending on what it is that you're doing. Anxiety, I think that could be put to use if that is something you are sending to someone else in a, in a spell, but it could also hinder you in your spell work. So I'll say... I think emotions have their place. Right. Emotions are definitely... And you'll find that this is actually part of solid visualization. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to establish the intended outcome of a spell, you should also be experiencing the emotions you want to experience. You should Mm -hmm. be instantiating those, I guess, Mm -hmm. which is a step that I think a lot of people miss invoking of the, of the emotions you intend to feel at the conclusion of the spell. Mm -hmm. Which I think why grounding is so important when you're doing spell work, because you could be dredging up these emotions that you need to use. Right. Sure. I would say, I don't know that anxiety has ever been a productive emotion for anyone ever because it is almost by definition mm-hmm. worry about things that either aren't actually problems or that you can't change. Mm-hmm. So anxiety, I, I would have a hard time personally finding a value for, but most emotions have some place. It's just a question of whether you are in the right emotional state for the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you're in the wrong emotional state for the work you're doing, don't do the work then. Yeah, yeah. Black Cat 88 said, on the subject of emotion, uh-huh. do you find that some work draws out emotions you didn't realize you were having? Yes. I would say definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I'm going to say again is why, one, having your knowing what your intention is right. and uh, where you are at right. is always important. And grounding is very important when you are... Grounding is important, but I don't know that it has as much to do with your emotions as it does to do with just your, energy. your energy. But sometimes I feel like your energy Space. and your emotions can get 
bound up together depending on the emotion. Kind of, but I don't know that grounding, so I'll say, I don't think grounding has ever helped me deal with an emotion. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, because grounding is about establishing equilibrium. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. That's the job of grounding is to reestablish energetic equilibrium. Mm-hmm. It's not about processing your emotions, and well, it's not true. really going to help you do that. You have to do that separately. So, like, you could ground to regain equilibrium mm-hmm. if you if you're having like emotional issues that you don't have time for. Right. But eventually you're going to have to deal with those emotions and grounding is not the time and space to do that. I don't think that's true. Mother multiverse says anxiety can be a superpower. If you need to put a lot of thinking into a problem, maybe excessive amounts, but I've had anxiety get things done. I can see that. I can, I can see how that would happen in sort of the same way that like sometimes I can aim mania to being productive if I know it's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't make it like a good thing. It, it's still not something I would try to invoke, yeah. I think I would say. And Rana agrees with me on the grounding that it helps her deal with emotions uh, because it helps her balance. And then you can move forward uh, dealing with whatever it is that has come up. So Okay, we'll, we'll agree to disagree we'll agree on that one. agree right. to disagree. Yep. That's not uncommon. Yep. <laughs> um, next question. I know Ode has spoken before on why they avoid heathen groupings. Right. But how do Carr and Gwyn feel about covens and the various other path-specific names they go by? Do you guys consider yourself a circle since you practice together during holidays? I say, in my opinion, we are a family circle when we, you know, and we work together. Ode and I do some spell work together mm-hmm. from time to time. Yeah. We get together to do rituals or cleansings for the house or, or things like that. So we're definitely a family. Yeah. But like we just do our magic in the context of a family. Like we yes. don't have a structured circle or anything. No, no, we no. do not. That's no. why I say we're a yeah. family circle. <laughs> and that's its own thing. Yeah, and I don't even know if circle is the right term for it because we mm-hmm. unit. Yeah, unit. a family yeah. a family unit, we do magic and ritual and religion next to each other at yeah. the very least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. But like circles have logistical structures, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Even relatively, quote, structureless right. covens right. still have some kind of hierarchical system, mm-hmm. whether they are officially acknowledging it or not. Right? right, right. If you claim you have a non-hierarchical coven, mm-hmm. there is guaranteed someone there is who is in charge, yeah. right. yeah. who yep. dominates the conversation. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that because I have a tendency to become that person because I don't shut up. <laughs> in in any random group, right? Right, yeah. I think we all can agree right. that we all yeah. have our tendency to do that. And, and oh, not me, but everybody oh, no, else. No, yeah. no. Uh, and so so there's uh, maybe an argument to be made that having those hierarchical systems like organized and out in the open is valuable in a sense. I know that's not going to fly with everybody, but like at least then you know who's in charge right. and who to yell right. at. But we as a family don't have... Like, we just have our normal family. Yeah, our family. Dynamics. Dynamics. Right. Yeah, yeah, and dynamics. We don't have anything separate No, in, in a coven sense. Like, even, like, you taught me for a little while. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily consider you, like, my magical mentor. No, I don't consider that either. Yeah, like, I'm not and I wasn't. Student. I wasn't trying to imply by saying we're a family circle that we have some kind of structure or things right. like that. I'm just saying we, because we are a magical family, we have, and we do practice from time to time together, whether it's uh, workings or ritual, right. we have a loose kind of circle. That so we're a square. 
That's sure. what we're saying. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> now, I do want to say, you know, I have always operated as a solitary. I really haven't had a lot of experience working with a coven. So I don't really feel qualified to answer that question other than to say I've had recent experience with an online coven, which has been very meaningful. And I got to meet with that coven in person when I was in California. And that, again, was very meaningful. But I do think that, you know, covens, just like any group, they have a hierarchical structure. Mm -hmm. People need to be able to respect whoever is in charge and that kind of stuff. authority system. But you also, I think you have to deal with the fact that you're dealing with people and there will, the more people you have, there will be drama. Yeah. Uh, probably from time to time. Yeah. So I guess I would say, I would assume that people who are in covens or circles or groves, they can be both meaningful and they can be frustrating because mm-hmm. you're dealing with human beings. But right. I have such a limited experience and exposure to covens and the inner workings of a coven that I, I, that's really all. It's hard to have an, uh, an educated opinion. Yeah. It's really hard to have an educated opinion about it because my experience really is incredibly limited to what I've experienced with an online coven. So I have no experience with covens and or groves or anything, but I do have a lot of experience with uh, the previous portion of this. The church. I was just mm. going to ask about that because there's a lot of similarities, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I would say, you know, the reason why I don't even really go to rituals, mm-hmm. except ones we're leading, uh-huh. is because it's too much like church for me. Mm. And I don't want that experience ever again because of how badly, not just myself, but the family was treated by the churches we were a part of. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a long time to see that out of... A lot of people are agreeing with you, Car. <laughs> yeah. It took me a long time to see that for what it really was, abuse, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, well, it's Jesus and it's God, blah, 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 right. you know. So the religiosity, the right, obscured, cut, the abuse. obscured, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like walking around with blinders on, you know. Yeah. A horse can only see what's, what's right in, front, what's of right in yeah. front of it, and so you know, in a church, it's always focused on Jesus. So you miss all that other bullshit that's going on. But you know, once those blinders come off, and you can kind of see all the religious, spiritual abuse that's going on, then it becomes a I don't know how you can stand it, and so that's why. I have a hard time with those kind of Because you're still groups. wounded from that. Mm-hmm. Right. That said, I miss those kind of groups. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a very social person. Scoobus was just saying, I want the community from a group, but I'm so anxious about all the ways it could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we now live in a different city in Michigan. We moved to Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. And there's a group here. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to we're gonna, we're gonna intentionally yeah. explore it and mm-hmm. see what it's like. And I know there's issues in that group. I'm sure there are because mm-hmm. there's issues in every group. Yeah. But it's a matter of how much can I deal with it. Right. And, right? Think- and it's not them. It's me. Right. Yeah. It's, it's about right. It's about dealing with your trauma. So right. Exactly. exactly. Yep. And I, I think I want to encourage Scubus, if you really are feeling that you want to be in a community or a group or a coven of some kind, you know, it's okay to join a group, and if the dynamic is not right for you, to leave 
and search for another one. Sarenth also says there's no set recovery time. Each of us works through shit at their own pace. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, don't, one, I'd say don't feel, you know, like you have to join right. a coven. You don't have or an a obligation. Group. There's right. no obligation. I've been a solitary for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> ease into it if it's something that's kind of frightening to you. You can start just by going to events like such as mm-hmm. what we were talking about. We became part of the, of the pagan community in our area, in our area by going to these events. Yeah. And then over time we've gotten to know people and we've recognize them and we've built relationships. Don't be afraid to at least give it a try. Yep. And if it's not for you. And also you don't, don't be afraid to walk out. Exactly. If you yeah. need to. Yeah. And if, if being a solitary is going to be right better for, for you, you is the right path for you, then embrace that and find other ways as we have mm-hmm. to be part of the community. Like the pride. Like right. the pride yep. or going to events that don't put the pressure of being in a group on you. Right. Yep. Next question. How often should offerings be changed out? And what do you do with old offerings? Because just tossing them seems disrespectful. Like, here's this thing for you. And in a week, it's left to the wild. So there are different schools of thought on this. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly very casual with removing my offerings. Same. I throw them away. In the trash, if it's food waste that I don't think the local wildlife should have. Right. Which is sometimes the case. Because that's where food goes when, like, I don't have a compost heap, so mm-hmm. it goes in the trash. Like, right. That's, just, yeah. that's where food waste goes when it's not edible anymore. And I leave offerings out on my ancestor altar until they're not edible anymore. That's part of my offering process for that. Right. Although we can now start a compost heap. Sure, we can. <laughs> but that's not any different than putting it in the trash functionally, no, that's right? right? Yeah. yeah. The offering is less the physical thing most of the time. Mm-hmm. With burnt offerings, it is slightly more the physical thing. But like if you're offering food, the deity isn't going to come down and eat it, right? The ancestors aren't going to materialize and consume this. And right. Remove the problem. Mm-hmm. So there are different schools of thought on this. Some people think it's like an energetic transfer, like the food has energy in it. You offer the energy of that food to the spirits, right? right? And they they eat it spiritually, right? And right. Then all that you have left is the physical shell, so you might as well dispose of that, right? right? Because it has no more value. Some people eat their offerings at the apartment. Part of the arrangement with the housewives was that they wanted me to consume offerings to them, which I did not usually do, and share the experience of eating it with them. Gotcha. Honestly, the the offerings that I make for Hakati are on the altar and then go out to the crossroads. Right. So um, it's an immediate. Right. Once my ritual is done, that offering goes outside. Yeah. Right. And it is meant to go outside. I do make offerings to, to Brigid, usually apples and milk that I leave sit for a time mm-hmm. in a covered dish because we do have an, yeah. a cat. And then I do take them outside for the wildlife. Yeah. Um, it's just, I've never felt like that was. It's, that's never felt disrespectful. Never sp- felt me. disrespectful. It's, it's been very appropriate. That's just, that's, that's the, that's where you put them. Yeah. Right. When, they're, yeah. when they're done. So exactly. Finn, Finn just asked a question. Okay. When you moved, what did you do for the housewives to let them know you were leaving? I personally went around to each room. I offered incense and words of thanks to the housewives, and I offered water to the land spirits, to the to land spatir. So there's usually, in my experience, one place in a house. Like, the housewives are through the whole house, but there's mm-hmm. usually, like, a space. The water cooler. 
for lack of a better way of yeah, putting it. Yeah, where they, where they tend to be easier to access. Right. Sometimes it's like a wall. Sometimes it's a corner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, it could be anywhere. Right. Sometimes it's not somewhere convenient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's usually a space where the housewives are easier to access and tend to congregate more. And so I tend to go to, what I do is I go to that place because it's where I usually make my offerings. Um, unless something's preventing me from doing that. Mm-hmm. And I tell them that we're leaving. Right. I tell them when we're leaving and tell them, like, I make final offerings to them and I thank them for the help that they've given me and for the relationship that we've had. And I bid them farewell. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's, I did it a slightly different way, yeah. but yeah, I bid them farewell. I thank them for their protection and all of the assistance that they gave to us while we were there and ask that they would do the same for the next inhabitants. Mm-hmm whether those inhabitants recognize them or not. Right. You know, I just want to say to Rana, where we lived, we didn't have a good crossroads for leaving offerings either. I just used the end of my driveway. Right. Where the driveway connected to the, yeah, yeah, to the road. Yep. Yep. So yeah, uh, all offerings are different. It's going to have to do with the spirits you're interacting with and Mm -hmm. the circumstances. Um, My, my usual advice applies. Just ask. Yeah. They'll have an opinion. They'll so have just an ask opinion. and find out what it is. Yep. Are you still doing a digital grimoire and allowing access to it by anyone? If so, I would love to be a part of it, if not sad face. Uh, that's, that's obviously a, that's to a me. question, yeah. So, yes, I am still doing it, though I have not updated it in a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. But if you want access, just email car at the number three pagansandacat.com and say, hey, I want access to the online grimoire, and I'd be more than happy to set that up for you. Mm-hmm. All right. How does Ode recommend storing stones? Do they get put all together, put in a box, all labeled and separated, separate bags? I'm very curious on the preferred way to store them without causing one to absorb the energy of another. So there are some stones that need to be stored in very specific ways or that can't be stored together for physical reasons, like Desert Rose is a very soft, sandy stone. It will disintegrate if you put it in a bag with a bunch of other stones because that are harder than it because they will knock up against each other. It'll be like being in a mosh pit. Yeah, and the desert road will just turn to dust. <laughs> um, brittle stones need to not be kept with harder stones because they'll chip or crack. So some stones need to not be kept in direct sunlight because the color will fade. So there are a lot of like physical characteristics that are specific to individual stones that you have to take into consideration. So know your stones. Yeah. Know, know what your stones are, know what their qualities are, because that's going to determine how you store them purely in terms of keeping them safe. I store many of my stones in a box. I have a I have a box that Gwen gave me actually years and years ago that I keep most of my sort of hardier, more resilient stones that I know that that I know can be together physically. I put them in that space together because I know what they are so I don't need to label them. If you need to label your stones, I would label the bag, not the stone. And you could keep them in individual bags like that. But I prefer not to do that. I prefer to have them together and accessible because they're not stuff. Right. (laughs) Because they're like, they're not specimens that I'm preserving. They're spirits that I work and interact with and they work and interact with each other. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I keep them together because they're not just working with me. They're also working with each other. So like, 
And some of them have little, like, friend groups that they don't want to be separated from. Like, I, I work with three stones regularly when I do donation. I call them my assistants. And those three stones don't want to be stored with the other stones. Mm-hmm. And they don't ever want to be separated from each other. Right. There's, and I get real bad, uncomfortable vibes when they do get separated from each other. And so I know I need to go fix it. And that's not even just, like, type of stone, right? Like, I have two pieces of Labradorite. One piece of Labradorite is one of my assistants for divination. And the other one does dream work. And they the, they cannot, they will not work together and they can't be stored together. Right. And I can't keep the lab with the, the, the DreamWork Labradorite with the assistants because the assistants only want to be part of their little group. They're, right. They're a little clique that doesn't communicate with that's anyone else. That's what Bill just said. Damn, Damn your stones have a clique. They have a clique. They have a clique. <laughs> and they don't, they don't want to be stored with the rest of them. They'll be on the same altar, but they don't want to be in the box. Right. Um, Cinnamon said that she has a, uh, a pendulum that refuses to work with her if yeah. left with other stones. Yeah. A lot of how I store my stones in terms of, of their energy is to do with their relationships with each other. Right. Um, and how they prefer to work together or not work together or whatever. Most of them will agree to be stored in the box because it's like a, it's a box for stones. Right. It's a sort of a sacred right. box that's for them. Right. I never put anything else in there. It belongs to them. It's their like home base. Right. And I keep that in my altar and my altar has, it's, it's a folding writing desk so mm-hmm. I can fold it up so that they can be kept in the dark so that the ones that are sensitive to sunlight don't fade. They aren't exposed to anything that's bad for them. Right. And then the ones that like to see the sun, I bring out and put on my windowsill or I put out, you know, so that they can see the sun periodically. And the larger stones I keep just out open on the altar uh, in little clusters in accordance with who they prefer to talk to. Because like I said, they're, they're not... I call them specimens, but they're not specimens. Right. And that makes right. sense. Yeah. Rana said, I've always wanted to sit at the cool stones table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That's okay. Mick would have you. Not sure about Keith. Oh, wrong stone. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, that's that's the, the complicated interpersonal dynamics of storing your stones. <laughs> I know you guys focus a lot on events and products very local to the three of you. But I was wondering if you knew of a website or two to help someone find things on the West Coast, mainly in Northern California. It was recommended to me to try witchvox.com, but they are no longer offering yeah, that website. Sadly. And I am very rural. The closest witchy shop is about an hour from me, so it's hard to get out there to find out what's going on in my community. Honestly, Google. Google is how we find yeah. pretty much everything. That said. Yeah, Car does actually have a list. Yep. So, Fairy F. A E R I E Faith.net. Fairyfaith.net. Fairyfaith.net. And then once you get there, you will click on the festivals list tab, which it's Linda's list of other pagan festivals. Click on that. It's very comprehensive, very up to date. It is where when people email us and go, Do you know of a thing near me? This is where I go to find it. (laughs) So uh usually there's something semi close to that person. I don't, I was looking through it. There is, uh, I don't know where Fair Oaks, California is, but there's an event coming up in May there. You know, just go through this list, find what works for you and, uh, get out to as many of them as you possibly can. I just happen to be on that page right now and I noticed that the, the CWPN's harvest gathering is listed coming up in August. 
the 20th through the 23rd. And, and that's... Three Pagans and a Cat will be there. Yes, that's where we, we will be. That. Yep. So, uh, and that's in Connecticut. So that's very exciting. In Orange, Connecticut. So be, make sure you get out there and check it out. Yes, if you want more information... beyond our natural territory. If you yeah. want more information on that, I believe Roanoke can help you with that, who is in the Discord, right? So I especially enjoyed when you talked about syncretism, syncretizing mm-hmm. your separate paths into rituals that work for all of you. Is that worksheet publicly available somewhere, or is it a Patreon exclusive? That worksheet is available for you in the files section of the Three Pagans and a Cat group. Yep, yeah, the Facebook, Facebook group. The Facebook, Facebook group. group. So if you go to the file section of the Three Pagans and a Cat Facebook group, There's a ritual you ritual. will find that ritual and thing. And it's comprehensive and cool as hell. That's yes, right. yep. And then the next question has the exact same answer. I was wondering, in your episodes you mentioned listing links to your sources for things like stones or herbs or, you know, cooking. <laughs> and I have been listening on Google Podcast and just spent some time on your website looking for these tools to no avail. I was wondering if there was somewhere else I should look for this information. You can find it in the file section of the <laughs> Three Pagans and a Cat Facebook group. Now, let me be clear. That is a list of all the episodes that right. it it's is not, not the information. Right. Yeah, it's not it's the just a list of the episode you can find it in. That's yep. right. Yeah. We have, I don't know that we'll ever get, we are now at episode 83. 82. Yeah. 82. 82. Something like that. Somewhere in the 80s. Um, and so we are going to stop promising to put links in yeah. the episodes because it just doesn't happen. Yeah. So we apologize for that. Um, but you can, there is a list that we update anytime we add Cars Feast Table, Old Stone Corner, or Wins Garden Gems. Yep. That is in the Facebook group under the files. Yep. That's it for questions. Any uh, questions online? Yeah, any, any last minute questions here in the Discord? Yep. Anybody in the Discord? This is your time. Bill said this should be episode 83, but 82 is, is the, the lost, lost episode. episode. Yeah. Yes, the lost episode. Oh, and Roanoke said anyone who wants info on the event in Connecticut the car just mentioned can ask Roanoke, and they'll be glad to fill them in. Yep. Roanoke is actually the reason why we're going to be at that event. That's right. Yep. So thank you, Roanoke, for yep. inviting us and yes. help making, making it that happen. happen. Yep. And I guess that is the thing. It's like, if you want us to come to your area, do like as yeah. Roanoke did and make it happen, it I takes, guess. It takes some legwork, <laughs> leg yeah. Take some legwork. Uh, Yellow Kiwi asked this before, but we missed it. What exactly do you mean by burnt offering? Because my Christian past has me imagining you anointing and charcoaling an entire cow. Um, possibly. You, I mean. Um, so long as you're willing to eat the entire thing afterwards. Because burnt cow is good. Um, so burnt offering is just any offering that you set on fire or throw into a fire. Some offerings need to be burned to be accepted. Uh, not all do. Uh, again, that's a just ask situation. You could make an argument that sort of any incense offering is a burnt offering. Mm-hmm. People will sometimes, like if you have a, like a bonfire in a ritual, a lot of times people will throw offerings into the fire. They have a ritual fire at MPF, but you have, can only throw very specific things into it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not a trash fire. No. It's a no. ritual fire. It's yep, and you need fire. to ask a fire tender it's a fire first. fire tender, yeah, yep. mm-hmm. for whether this is something that you're allowed to add to the fire. Yep. 
Uh, and generally speaking, the the principle for a burnt offering is that it should be completely consumed by the flame. Yep. And that's the point at which it is officially, like, offered. Mm-hmm. I see that Sarenth is typing. Yes. Yeah. Sarenth is a fire tender. So, yes, yeah, Sarenth will have the deets. Sarenth yeah. will have good information. If you throw something that should not be in the sacred fire, I and my sacred fire tenders reserve the right to throw you out. <laughs> no, to throw you in. in. Oh, to the, you gotcha. The, yeah. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> into um, the fire, yes. <laughs> so Black Cat 88 said... And then you said, give me the burnt offering. Black Cat 88 said, I'm debating whether to reach out to teachers I got to meet at Khan. I feel like it'd be weird since Khan is over. I would say reach out to the, any of them. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, our deal as being teachers is that we should be open mm-hmm. to... Uh, people contacting us afterwards if that's, they have more questions. That's or, our deal, but I do know that many of the teachers uh, have offered that yeah. during their classes. Um, Just, you know, be respectful, you know, send it through send whatever it. request, uh, request information from whatever they have asked you to send to. So whether it's their Facebook right. or, or, email or if they offered an email, yeah. um, that kind of thing. And just send one request, and if they don't get back to you, assume that's your answer. Right. Yep. Sarah's just said, hit me up in the DM yeah, if you need. Yep. So, yep. Yep. Yeah, we are more than happy to answer questions. I'm notoriously slow about it. Yes, yeah. as am I, because yep. norm- <laughs> all the questions come to me first, and then I have yep. to divvy them out. Disseminate them, yeah. And, and Mother Multiverse said, reach yeah. out as long as you're polite. Worst that can happen is someone doesn't respond. Exactly. Yep. So that's usually the best way to do it. Yep. yep. All right, is I I gave three and a half minutes. I think that's up. Yeah. So that's it for this episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. You can find us by Googling us mm-hmm. because we're everywhere. And oh. if we named them all, this podcast would be three times as long. So threepagansandacat.com. That's three. The number three. Pagansandacat.com. <laughs> all right. And, of course, we're on Discord. Right. Obviously. We're on a bunch of stuff. We're on Pagans <laughs> Pagan. Yes, come visit me at Patheos Pagan. I've been absent yes. for a few weeks. So come read. <laughs> I'll forget her numbers back up. Yeah, probably get my numbers back up. No, just kidding. But uh, I have written some interesting things, I think, on Ostara mm-hmm. and on um, protecting yourself with their herbal allies in making homemade cleanser. So check it out. Yep. All right. But anyway, yep. Are you all done now? Yes. No. Press the button. Yes. No. Yes. Press the goddamn button. Don't press listen it. to her. Press it. Uh, press the button. Uh, <laughs> You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com. <laughs>